Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook em up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Wednesday on the Horde. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. Rolls on. Appreciate Jerry Hamilton last hour. The latest on the Longhorn portal pursuits. Recruiting focus. Longhorn hoops tonight as well. Texas and Marquette in a big time college basketball matchup. Big 12, Big East battle. In, they're in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Texas and Marquette. Uh, several messages, a lot of messages coming out on the passing of Norman Lear. Says, I got to meet Red Fox on Route 66 back in the 90s. Nice. Went riding a motorcycle with him. Very approachable, cool dude. <laughs> that's really cool. Somebody just said Meathead. Of course, that's what Archie Bunker called his <laughs> son-in-law, Meathead. <laughs> he had a special insult for everybody. That is awesome. It says, stuff. who wasn't in love with Valerie Bertinelli? That's mm-hmm. true. Valerie, you know who was in love with Valerie Bertinelli on uh, Too Close for her, what, One Day at a Time? Oh, I, didn't, I didn't watch that show very. I, I wasn't one of the ones I watched. Eddie Van Halen. Of course, okay. they ended up uh, getting no, married. I didn't uh, watch that a lot. I'll admit that. Um, yeah, so this goes on. This is, uh, he was watching the original Dragnet. <laughs> no, not really. Nick at Night for me, guys, when yep. I was growing up. I remember Same Nick here. at Night. Yep, I was up on a lot of that. You were Nick at Night? You were Nick at Night guy, Ty? Yeah, and, uh, Nick you at Night. You were... You came of age in the uh, it's like the, the dawn of the reality TV world, the real worlds, and the mm-hmm. the what are they? What's the the Jersey Shore crew? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure those are kind of your 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 coming of age. Um, I was a little. I, I like the throwbacks. Growing up, I watched a lot of like Fresh Prince, uh, Home Ooh. Improvement. On, honestly, Andy Griffith Show was one of my. Oh, favorites. good. Andy Griffith was, was a great show. Um, I still watch Andy Griffith. Show. Yeah, a lot of a lot of those. <laughs> I do. George Lopez Show was a good one. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, Norman Lear has passed away. If you're just mm. tuning in with us, 101 years old. Uh, this one on a uh, more point of fact, but says, gentlemen, thoughts and prayers all the victims of the day-long shooting spree yesterday in Austin Sorry. and San Antonio. Six left dead, three wounded, random acts of violence, without a doubt. Prayers to those folks. Yeah, crazy day yesterday. And kind of, I mean, it's over your neck of the woods, Rod. Terrible. I mean, it started out at the uh, AISD, you know, Northeast Early High School. And then down, down, down southwest, and over off Slaughter Lane by Circle C, and the the uh, the velodrome is terrible, terrible. Uh, police have not identified the suspect, but a a 34 year old has been booked into uh, uh, jail on on suspicion. And, and there's also a double homicide in San Antonio that they believe is all tied together here, of just a day of terror. Um, terrible, terrible. Uh, so yes, well said. Thoughts and prayers to those folks. Yeah, just never know. Hug your kids. Yeah, that's horrible. Uh, yeah, that's just really sad. It is, it is. Uh, okay, so uh, let's get to some headlines that are sports-related. Also, we'll have Rod take us behind the burnt orange curtain this hour. We'll preview more with Texas and Marquette. And uh, the, the news out of uh, College Station that it looks like Mike Elko, the new head coach for the Aggies, is uh, targeting and going to bring in Colin Klein. 
Looks like it. To be the new OC, the new yes, offensive sir. coordinator. You said it when he was hired, Rod. Mike Elko, if you're a defensive coach, your biggest hire will be your OC. I think so. And I, it's, just, it's a good, solid hire. But uh, Jerry mentioned it, and I agree too. He's a quarterback run game guy. So or you got to have the quarterback. Or is he? Uh, he is. By he is. Your, is that what he wanted? That's what his position That's what he's always had, and that's what he he was. Yeah, so yeah. yeah pretty he, clear. Pretty clear signal. Right, yeah. I mean, he's never he's never been without a quarterback that can run as the OC there at K-State, that's and true. he was a running quarterback himself. For Bill Snyder, yeah. So hey, maybe he's going to get away from that, but why? Why would you? <laughs> then why would you <laughs> hire why you him? got hired, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming Elko is also on board with, all right, we're going to kind of shift our mindset here and go with, quarterback run game as a part of our offense, that's the case. you got to recruit differently. Yeah, Jimbo but, had a different set of quarterbacks in there, a different style of quarterbacks. Yeah, and you. that leads to what we talked about with uh, Jerry last hour, you know, a guy yeah. like Connor Wiegman, five-star quarterback out of Houston, who's right. a, you know, he's a pocket passer. He's a great thrower of the football. Uh, you know, Evan Stewart's a wide receiver that everybody's talking about mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, does that offense fit? But, you know, if you're Mike Elko, you're building this for the big picture, right? You you're are. thinking long haul. That's right. And if this is the type of offense you want to go to, then then you go. I mean, if it complements your defense and it will be the kind of a complement of the entire uh, offensive blueprint, or sorry, the, the entire team blueprint, then I guess that's where you go. I was just surprised that he didn't go with someone that was a little bit more of a pass-oriented coordinator because he's a run-first guy. Yeah, well, that's probably where you want to go with a defensive model. Yeah, I, yeah, for sure. And look, I mean, go back to the hiring of Mark Stoops originally, right? By yeah. uh, they, they, they be pretty clear that they are targeting. Uh, it was Ross Bjork who said, you know, we did our research and chose who are our best teams in our conference. Their defense, they're led by Kirby Smart, and you know, Texas is joining, and they may come mm-hmm. in with, you know, in that conversation now. We have an offensive head coach and Steve Sarkeesian, but at the time he was talking about Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, defensive-minded coaches. Um, you know, physical, tough offenses, which is what Mark Stoops is at at Kentucky. And Mike Elko, you feel like it's kind of the same thing. Uh, Big picture. So there you go. Colin Klein in down there. We'll talk what that means, big picture. Let's get to the other Longhorn conversations and the top stories. Top stories presented by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Starting with college football. Yeah, Longhorns, uh, Texas players taking a step back from football, finishing up their academic year this week and next. Texas coaches on the road, meanwhile, fanned out across the country making in-home visits and looking to solidify and add a few more pieces of that 2024 high school recruiting class. On that front, confirmation from inside Texas that five-star safety and current Florida verbal, Xavier Phil Sami has locked in an official visit to Texas ahead of the early signing window opening on December the 20th. Phil Sami, six foot, 190 pound playmaking safety from McKinney, will be on campus the weekend of December 15th through the 17th. Head coach Steve Sarkeesian and safeties coach Blake Gideon are also scheduled to be in home with he and his family Thursday night. Um, Inside Texas also reporting that the Longhorns are showing a uh, interest in a series and a trio of players who have already entered the transfer portal. A pair of wide receivers and a safety with local ties. The uh, receivers would be Purdue speedy slot receiver Deontay Burks. A redshirt sophomore caught seven touchdown passes last year from Hudson Carr, the former Longhorn quarterback. Texas also interested in a bigger body receiver from South Carolina, Antoine Juice Wells. He entered the portal on Monday. Uh, physical player, run-after-catch kind of guy. Uh, both players expected to be at it near the top of the portal market across the country, but Texas interested. Also definitely on the Texas radar is Clemson safety and former LBJ Jaguar Andrew Makuba. Uh, Makuba started 10 games for the Tigers this past season. He's been starting since he was a freshman All-American in 2021. His high school coach, Jamal Fenner, is currently the director of high school relations for Steve Sarkeesian. 
Coming up tonight, New York. You by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Don't be a ho ho ho. Bring anything on Foster Village's Amazon wish list on our Facebook page and get up to 20% off your rental or purchase. Topgun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Sorry, I wanted to mention there that uh, I, I cleared my throat and Ty went, but okay, that happens. Uh, because we're coming to you for live from the uh, South Austin Onion Creek Studios. Oh, Ty's back in the Horn headquarters. Uh, tonight in New York City, Longhorn legend Derek Johnson will be inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, the National Football Foundation Awards dinner, and why not? He was a two-time all, consensus All-American, 0304, won the Nagurski Award, won the Butkus Award, and uh, that can, you can watch that tonight. If you have ESPN+, Plus, you can that's watch the cool. whole ceremony tonight, all of the players going in and all the speakers. That's going to be some good TV tonight, in addition to the Longhorn basketball team at Marquette. And you uh, revealed earlier, Rod, and you've said this before, you hosted Derek Johnson on his recruiting visit when he's coming in out of Waco. I did host him on his recruiting visit. Very important, uh, probably my most important uh, hosting <laughs> uh, duty as a Longhorn uh, football player because Mac Brown talked to me beforehand and explained to me, hey, man, we got to have this guy. It's just that simple. Were you the, uh, we got to close. Were you the go-to guy for Mac? Were you the Michael Taft, the closer? I was I was one of his go-to guys, yeah. I was one of his go-to guys. That's why they gave me Derrick Johnson. And he, he he explained beforehand, like, hey, man, if you can't do it and you got stuff going on, you got some, you know, woman, some, you know, girlfriend you're distracted by or you got something to do. They, you all in he on say, this. let me know. He, he was just being straight. He's like, yeah, let me know because I can't afford you just to, you know, we know you can close if you're focused, but if you're not, let us know because the team <laughs> the team is going to be very very you know reliant on you because this is a guy we must have always yeah, be close we're going to compete for a championship yeah and i was like mac i got him it's done like it's if he's that important then i'll tell the crew and you know all hands on deck I'll, we won't miss if we have to you know as long as you don't give me parameters you know <laughs> all right as long as you're not trying to <laughs> curtail all right my Let me my, do my job yes and my process and how i'm going to close this deal i guarantee i'll close and i closed it i told him how to get him i got him and Derek johnson and he was right Mac was right. It, we should have played for a national title with Derrick Johnson. It, it wasn't his fault. <laughs> he uplifted the play of the defense. He uplifted the play of everybody on that team. I'll tell a couple of stories. When we, we first um, started practicing and Derrick Johnson started doing that tomahawk punch where he knocks the ball out. And it's like when he, he, he puts one arm uh, to kind of secure the tackle, but with the other arm he does that kind of tomahawk punch. It, he was not taught that guys like that was that was he he was doing that when he came from high school maybe he was taught in high school he i talked to him about it he came up with it nobody taught him that that was his natural football instinct that when i'm in the open field i'm talented enough powerful enough fast enough to chase down a ball carrier secure the tackle with one arm and punch the ball out with the other most human beings just ain't freakish enough athletically to be able to do all three of those things simultaneously. You got to focus on one because one of those objectives is hard enough. But he was freakish enough to do it. And he was so good at it and so proficient at it, our coach staff started teaching it. Yeah. We would start teaching it in drills. Like, you know what? That works really well. That's damn good. All right, guys, if you can't secure the tackle, chase them down, we'd like you to secure it and try to punch the ball out. So he started teaching it. I don't think any of us actually got the ball out doing it. He was the only one that could do it. But it was a, it was a technique that his football instinct, he just thought it through and was like, I should do this. This will actually make me a better player because well, he was a havoc-minded, disruptive, ball-minded defender, ran like a DB, but was also a linebacker. And here's why his career arc was so strange in the NFL. I brought this up earlier. Um, and I guess we can talk about it now instead of going behind the burn-on's curtain with it. 
when he got to the NFL, the NFL was still a three yards in a cloud of dust league. It Ray was still, Lewis league. Yes, it was still a league that was played in a phone booth pretty much. And all the linebackers, and he was a linebacker, the best in the country, they were projected to play like that. And by the time he was 29 years old, right around 2010, 2011 is around that time, he, he started to turn 30. So he's way past his prime. That's when he starts making his first Pro Bowl and his first All-Pro teams. And the reason was because at that time, the NFL shifted dramatically and became a pace and space spread league. Cam Newton, RG3, and NFL coaches started to siphon and steal ideas and concepts from the college game, like the zone read, read option, like air raid principles, and started to utilize them at the NFL level. And even Andy Reid said, college game is always five years ahead of the NFL. So with that being said, I'm not saying he wasted five years, but if, he, if the league had been a spread league by the time he got there, he'd have been a Hall of Fame player because that's why he was so good in the Big 12. By the time he got to the Big 12, my man Mike Leach had already turned it into kind of an air raid league. Oklahoma won the national title, running the air raid the second year for Bob Stoops. So the Big 12 started to copy that. And by the time he gets to be a junior and a senior, hell, man, the, the Big 12 had become a spread air raid league by that era. And he was a spread baby. But coming from the high school ranks where they were already playing a lot of spread football, perfectly suited to be a pace-in-space defender. He was not awkward. He was not uncomfortable in space. Matter of fact, he was a spread baby. That's when he was most comfortable. Where he was uncomfortable was when they tried to put him in a phone booth and let him play in between the tackles. But as the NFL became a spread league, much like the Big 12, he became, much like he was in the Big 12, an elite space defender. Four times a pro bowler. Yeah. It just He's happened just so, so good late. so covering ground and so yeah. good in space and chasing and, you know, you, you said it right. I mean, as he's growing up in Waco, that's when the, uh, the spread is taking mm -hmm. hold in high school. Yep. And he was, you know, DJ Derek Johnson is going to the Hall of Fame tonight. He wasn't just uh, – he wasn't just fast. He was a tracks guy. He was. Uh, 100-meter dash. He was as fast as any of the DBs out there when he was out there. <laughs> he was a freak when he first got to the campus. Uh, triple jump, 100-meter dash. Yes. And that's why Mac put uh, you on special assignment there. That's good. Yeah. But, you, yeah, you said it. Like, and then he got to the NFL, and, you know, he would have learned eventually to be a box linebacker. But yeah. that's not what he was taught his whole life. But then the game came to him. And then he made four Pro Bowls. He went into the Chiefs Ring of Honor or the Hall of Honor. Lead tackler all the time yeah. for the Chiefs. Played 13 <laughs> seasons in the NFL. And like I said, he, he, he was past his prime when he got his accolades. If he was in his prime when the NFL became a spread league, so maybe three years earlier, he'd be a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. He'd be a Hall of Fame player because he would have made all pros and Pro Bowls in, like his second and third year in the league. Yeah. Well, talked about that earlier with uh, Vince yeah. Young, that he was probably five years behind he was probably, for yeah. his position. Yep. And who knows what would have happened with him. Somebody asked a question on that, uh, you know, conversation about Vince, and somebody said, well, what if Vince had come back for his senior year? I, I've always said this. If Vince had returned, and I don't <clears> begrudge him, he went third overall in the draft. You strike while the iron's hot. <laughs> yeah. He, but um, if Vince had come back, and that, remember, Colt McCoy came in as a retro freshman, and that team won double-digit games, had a great season. Mm -hmm. uh, if Vince had come back, they would have won the national championship again. I agree with that. Vince would have won the Heisman, yep. if healthy. Vince would have been the preseason front-runner, runaway front-runner to win the Heisman Trophy. Remember, the whole offensive line came back. Quan mm -hmm. uh, Cosman coming back. All these guys were coming back. Won 10 uh, games. I mean, the, yeah, Jamal Charles coming back. I mean, they would have had a loaded team. Uh, and Vince, I mean, th th there's a strong argument to be made that if, if Vince had come back, he would have left Texas as the greatest and most accomplished college football player of all time. It's possible. Uh, he could have because he could have went back-to-back -back natties, 
three straight, you know, in the Rose Bowl, and then back-to-back natties, a Heisman Trophy, and the numbers would have been staggering. The numbers would have been, I mean, just staggering for what he would have put up, big picture. Because the numbers are pretty, <laughs> pretty amazing good, yeah. for his two full seasons as a starter once he figured everything out. But you're right, then he got to the NFL, and it wasn't ready for him. Well, and more, more importantly, though, uh, you know, obviously the NFL as a whole macro, macro they didn't, as a league, shift to spread a, a pace and space ideology until like five years after Vince was already drafted. But you can make the argument that if he stayed in college, he wouldn't have ended up with the Tennessee Titans. That maybe, you know, circumstances would have changed. Would end up with a different team. Now, would that team still have had antiquated ideas about how to utilize a quarterback of his skill set? Probably so. But, man, Jeff Fisher, just being away from Jeff Fisher and Norm Chow, the toxicity, right, of yeah, that organization at the time. Because, yeah, well, it, it might have been helpful. I'm not the guy going to defend Jeff Fisher, but he didn't want him. He did want the owner. Yeah. This this is a Frank Reich, Dave Tepper situation yes, in, in, with, with Vince Young. Yeah, just like Dave Tepper's already fired Frank Reich because he was getting the word out that you know I wanted C.J. Stroud gone. <laughs> just so you know that, I don't need my brand tarnished by this because C.J. Stroud's having the greatest rookie season of all time. Yeah. I just need you to know that I wanted C.J. Yeah. and we were told by we our scouted owner him to take we, Bryce Young. Yeah, exactly. And you know, give Dave Tepper a list a little bit that he he cut bait quick and didn't wait around. Mm-hmm. But Bud Adams drafted Vince Young. Mm-hmm. Jeff Fisher and Norm Chow wanted Matt Leiner. Uh, make no mistake about that. And that's what led to you know, not even Vince's fault. He was dropped into a situation where Bud Adams was trying to stick it to Houston mm-hmm. and didn't even listen to his coaches or his offensive coordinator, who they wanted as GM. And uh, they took, you know, they wanted Leiner. I mean, Norm Chow is USC. He is Steve Sarkeesian, you know, ahead of the curb with, uh, with BYU, right? Mm-hmm. They had their guy, and that was always uncomfortable. And, uh, Homer might have been and, right in that situation, actually. Well, sure. Because I don't know if Matt Liner was a good player. No, in the end. no. B- B-Y was a B-Y was a better player. It's just bad business for the owner to overrule the coach because if you're going to then get rid of the coach, bring in someone who fits your player, right? Dan Snyder did it with the Shanahan's. Yes, he did. One uh, RG three. They drafted RG three. They drafted Kirk Cousins in the fourth. They were like, we're going to get our guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, then Mike Shanahan like let. RG3 go back in the field in that playoff game and blow his knee to smithereens. But either way, different conversation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, owners stepping in is nothing new. Well, there's 32 no. of them. And uh, I just feel, you know, you feel bad for Vince. Vince also was immature and didn't handle his business the way he probably should have. That but is true. That, uh, that, that, that goes to that conversation. Derek Johnson, when you, when you had, were hosting him on his recruiting visit, was he as, as sweet yeah. nice a kid as he yeah, is in person as he is right now? Yes. Yeah, yes. Um, he's become, you know, a, a son of educators, yeah, mom's a school teacher. He's just, yeah, he's just got, I mean, he's got a charitable soul. Um, and he's just a very giving, kind hearted person. You would never think that watching a play on a football field, how vicious he is on the field. But he's always been just a, a sweet, kind hearted person. Uh, that's, and that's, that's why, you know, he was beloved on the team immediately, even on the recruiting visit. We were like, oh, man, you fit in. You family here. You yeah. need to be here. You, you know what I mean? You fit in really well. Mac knew that too, and that's part of the reason that he was a great leader, not only when he first got to campus because he led by example because he was one of the best players, but he was also one of the best people on the team too. Yeah, uh, 50, 50 games at Texas, 40 starts. Come on now. This guy's ridiculous. I don't know how he didn't start 50. Honestly, <laughs> I'm going to tell you all right now, as soon as he came in, he, he should have been starting. I don't even know how. I guess he, Mac, you know, Mac had his rules about playing freshman. Mac was, remember Mac, he was stubborn about that he first got out. I don't play freshman. School. He didn't want to play said B when he first got in. It's like, uh, Mac, I get your freshman rule, but some guys, they are prodigies, and if you're good enough, he's old enough. And, hell, we even started with Tom Herman, right, with Bijan. He's like, nah, he's still young. He's like, what are you talking about? He's better than any of your players on offense. You play that guy. You give him the football. So, yeah. and By the way, also going in tonight, speaking of Colin Klein getting the A&M job, uh, you'll see Michael Bishop 
enshrined into the College Football Hall of Fame. Remember him hey. at K-State back oh, in the day? Peace. I remember Michael Bishop drafted by the Patriots, I believe, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. He was there when mm-hmm. wasn't he giving you fits or you he, he was just ahead of you. He was just ahead of me, but I remember Michael Bishop. Man, but that was part of we just talked about this. He was also one of those quarterbacks that the NFL the NFL would never uh take a second look at. But in the college game, they were running some of those very advanced zone read, read option concepts, run the option with them. And maybe if he had been doing that, you know, five, six years later, he'd had a better shot in the pros. But he got drafted by the, the Patriots. Yeah, I'm I remember going that. To- Going alphabetical order here, but man, what, how about this class that Derek Johnson's going in with? Tim Tebow, damn, Reggie Bush, <laughs> Michael Bishop, Dwight Freeney, um, Bryant McKinney, the big left tackle Ooh. out of Miami, Luke Keekley, great linebacker from Boston oh, College, yeah. um, Michael Stonebreaker, uh, former Notre Dame linebacker with the best name ever for that position. That's a great name, <laughs> Stonebreaker. <laughs> yeah, and wow. he was that. He played <laughs> linebacker at Notre Dame. Michael Stonebreaker. Uh, Mark Rick, the uh, Georgia coach, will go in. Okay. So, 22nd Longhorn all time. 22nd Longhorn. How many coaches? What, three coaches? Uh, Mac. Mac, DK. Uh, DKR. It's got to be another one I'm missing. Let me look. Let me I look. think oh, there's another Or maybe like an administrator. I don't know how they work it. There's another one there, football, Texas Football Associated. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, that's good stuff right there, Rod. Great uh, first-hand account. Colin Klein going to be the new OC. I'll say this for Mike Elko on that hire. That's a solid football guy. It right? is. That's a solid football guy. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, it's pretty clear they want, they want uh, toughness. They want uh, – and, you know, does it, if it costs you Connor Wiegman, I know there will be criticism and Evan Stewart. But if you're Mike Elko, you get one chance to build your staff. We saw St- Sark do it here, hiring his people. And this is what I want to be. And uh, we'll take some lumps early if we yeah. have to. But we're, we're going to build the staff that I want. Um, I'm not going to – hire an offense coordinator that fits what we currently have here just to make everybody happy i'm going to build the i get i get one chance at this you're right i get one yeah, chance you got to get the foundation right yeah anything. and three years later you can you know give sark high high grades for that for you know pete kwiatkowski coming from the northwest mm-hmm. i mean some people didn't know him though all people said well and sark said the reason i hired pk was he gave me hell i mean whenever i would go up against a pk defense mm-hmm. i had a hard ass time <laughs> yeah. dealing with him so i, I love that pk hire that was one of my that's probably my favorite hire yeah i remember made. you saying that it's a great hire, and, but it didn't. You didn't see it initially, initially, because they had to build. Because I think Sark, I think he addressed the defense later and started to build the defense up a little bit later. You can even tell they're still building the defense. They are the yeah. offense. They built up that offense pretty quick. Yeah, that well. O line. <laughs> he got X man well, coming in there. He got AD Mitchell. JT Sanders like, is he gonna play DN or tight end? He's playing tight end. Yeah, <laughs> Sark's like, he's playing tight end. So well, they built up the offense pretty quick. Got Quinn in there. I think the defense now they're still constructing it right now. Sure. Yeah. And I think PK and his vision once, once, and there wasn't a lot of team speed on the defensive side no. when he got here. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't a lot of team speed on the offense when he got here. And now, as you said, Texas has one of the fastest teams in college football uh, in three, four years. So, you know, if you're Elko and your defense, you're going to hire an offensive guy that fits what you want to be, just like PK, like Sark did with PK. Um, and, you know, they, they may take some lumps offensively early, especially if you lose some guys to transfer. Yep. And so Aggie fans probably need to be prepped for that. But uh, uh, we will certainly uh, talk more about that. Rod will take us behind the BOC coming up. Also, we're at the turn at the bottom of the hour. We'll hit that little golf chatter and uh, remind you there before we get some Longhorn football talk ahead of uh, on the, off the record for the end of the hour. I got a juicy off the record, Rod. Uh, I like juicy. it. Juicy. Let's get it. Oh, man, this one. This mm. one will send you, send you into a – uh, a lot of thoughts today. We'll get Uh-oh. to that. Hook him up with Ian Rodby. I'm all right. but about me. Why you got to give me a fight? Can't you just let it be? I'm all right. 
Oh man, coming up for this presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. All right, guys, coming up for the top of the hour, to be off the record with uh, boy a uh, juicy story involving more morning TV hosts and with a twist. Also, uh, the governor of Florida wants to sue the college football playoff committee. On what grounds? I'm not sure, but wants to sue the college football playoff committee, uh, governor of Florida. Uh, also, uh, and at the turn, that's where we are halfway through our five-hour conversation this Wednesday morning. I mentioned yesterday, Rod, uh, with uh, John Rahm, reigning oh, Masters yeah. champion. Mm -hmm. Now Golf Digest has a story, and um, over in the U.K., there's a story that's percolating uh, about John Rahm. This one comes from the uh, the telegraph the uh, uk telegraph of a 450 million pounds offer from live golf to john rom uh to join that tour uh obviously we'll see where that goes uh john rom's gonna have to Ooh. double back a lot of strong comments wow. he's made over time that he you know he doesn't play golf for money he's never played golf for money uh he would never leave he you know he said my one this is my one quote on the matter i, I i'm loyal to the pga tour and always will be hey. so you know Minds can change. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he'll get called out for the first few months of it. But most people will forget about that. They'll forget about it. Yeah. They'll so. move on. I mean, it's they, these aren't they part, partners now, right? This is a partnership. Now once they – I mean, I, it's got to be shoved – of course, the, uh, the Congress is looking into it, yeah, make sure the deal yeah. was on the up and up and, and all like, that. And yeah, then, so those yeah. things are still happening. But once it's through, yes. I mean, by the, the, the language right? yeah. of it, Jay Monahan, the so. commissioner of the PGA Tour, will be – kind of overseeing all of it. So, but if they're throwing 450 million pounds at you, <laughs> what, and they can never take it away from and you man, once they give it to I you. I don't pocket watch, man. I, and I know, there's a, I know there's a lot of uh, baggage associated with that, that money. A lot of people have strong opinions about it. I get it. Um, but like I said before, we're not calling out every corporation and every person that, that are taking money that we think is tainted. Uh, with corruption around the world. We don't do that. We're only doing it with these athletes. We're only calling them out for it. Uh, we're not calling out American corporations for it. We're not calling out American politicians for it. So why are we calling out these athletes for it? Yeah. I'm not saying I agree with them. I'm not saying that you don't have a good point about it being blood money and tainted, all that kind of stuff. But there are lots of other corporations and sports leagues, by the way, in America taking this money. And lots of politicians taking their money. And why, why are we just calling out the athletes that are doing it? Yeah, well, now the word at this point, I mean, if you're Rom, I mean, you, you will have to double back on a lot of comments, and yeah. uh, the receipts will be held in a lot of places. It'll be like they, were, they, they weren't a partner then. Now they're a partner. Because <laughs> there's one thing to criticize when, uh, you know, the other guys were going, and they took it, and they took the lumps, and you know, the Brooks mm -hmm. Kepkas and obviously Mickelson, the tip yeah. of the spear with that. But, you know, he has been adamant the other way for a long time. So, and, you know, won the Masters. And, you know, the, the rumors really heated up on John Rom after the Ryder Cup that when the, he, he – he wanted to hold it until the Ryder Cup because he wanted to be a part of that. And, you, you know, they didn't let live players play in the Ryder Cup. They still won it and whooped the, uh, the Americans. Still won it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And um, here he is. Maybe, maybe. It's uh, December uh, 6th right now. We'll see. Man, I just, yeah. It's, it's, I think we all, the, Amer the American dream has changed a lot. I think one of the, the uh, parts of the American dream that we all have in common is we want to work, we want to work less for more money. <laughs> well, look at That's it. essentially what these golfers are being offered. They're offering you a lot more money, and you can work less to make well, it. That's right. I get that. Anybody I, was I, offered that, you'd probably go, hell yeah, I'll take that. And I've always understood <laughs> it. I'm just saying that uh, when I was adamant, uh, hoping guys like Mickelson and Kepka wouldn't go, it was on the stance that, you know, I was fearful exactly what happened would happen, that – 
they, they would, would split the league. Yeah. It would be the uh, disruptive force that uh, you know the Saudis and the, mm-hmm. the Saudi money wanted, and it would force a partnership. And here we are. I mean, that's, it so it's for me. I'm done arguing with players that go. It's like all right, because what, what was going to happen that I was feared happened it happened. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And now you know we'll, they'll sort that out, and the game of golf has forever changed. But that that argument's passed. It's happened now. Uh, you know the, the amount Jay Monahan now works for the for the Saudis. <laughs> the amount of the the the, yeah. uh, the amounts that they were talking about that these players are being offered were just ungodly sums of money. I mean, well, it's, 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 it's it's hard to turn down that kind of money. Yeah. It is. It's just tough, man. Hey, let's get to. Uh, they're not even trying to make a profit off this stuff. They were just off. They were just throwing out money. Disruptive. This is yes. Because they, they got plenty of it, yeah. right? And I mean, the the the, the head of the uh, the Royal Fund has said openly he want they want to be a part of golf. They want to run global golf. Yeah. And now they're running global golf. And a lot of the other sports that are international, they want to get in on, like, you know, F1, that they're already in on. And soccer. Soccer to try to get in on. They, they're the American, kind of the Americanized sports, like, you know, football, they can't really jump into because it doesn't have an international presence. But if it's got an international presence, right. their tentacles have right. touched it. Oh, they're in it. Yeah, they're, they're, in, it. <laughs> they're in it. They're in it. 100%. All right, let's go. Uh, that'll wrap it up with At The Turn. We're halfway through our show. Appreciate our friends at Callahan's General Store. We'll be looking for that video on our golf course of the month, which is uh, Gray Rock Golf Club out there off of South Mopac. Love them. Great, great video with Omar Uresti. Appreciate Callahan's General Store um, bringing you At The Turn every morning at 830 right here on Hook 'Em Up with Ian Rodby. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's talk a little bit about Texas, Washington. I was actually, I went and rewatched the Texas, Washington Alamo Bowl uh, last night, and something stood out to me, and I think it's going to become a, a, it's going to be a big concept in this matchup on both sides uh, for Texas to defend, but also for Texas to utilize offensively. And you guys have been listening to me for a long time. You guys know I'm obsessed with empty formation, uh, where there is just a quarterback in the backfield. I think it is one of the uh, more stressful defensive uh, positions to be put in. It's also, I think, probably the most stress you can put on a defense right, is with empty formation. And Texas doesn't utilize it a ton. They utilize it some, um, but it's not necessarily one of Sark's favorite concepts. But when I went and rewatched the Texas-Washington game from last year, it was actually one of the most effective concepts for Texas and Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers was really comfortable last year running empty formation against Washington. Now, I'll go back and check and see if there's something susceptible about the uh, the scheme of Washington that they run that makes empty formation more effective versus them, but I'm not sure that's the case. I think empty formation is just effective, period. <laughs> I've been tracking it for years uh, for the NFL level. Uh, I've been tracking it at the college level with some of my favorite teams, and it's just the, uh, the success rates, the explosive play rates, they're just really high, and they have been, um, I think, like I said, no matter which level you're looking at, if you have an explosive offense and they utilize empty, usually that translates. But in that game versus Washington, Texas uh, was using empty with Quinn, and Quinn was over 87% completion percentage when he was throwing out of empty formation versus Washington in that Alamo Bowl last year. Uh, you're talking about a first 25% first down rate. Um, if, if 
you include his rushes because he actually had a rushing first down, a 12-yard run in that game as well out of empty formation. And Quinn's been running a little bit more lately. I guess now he dealt with the injury, he probably ran less. But to start the season, we saw Quinn run more than he's ever run at Texas. And if you total the, the run plays thrown there as well, you're talking about eight yards per play in empty formation versus Washington last year if you're not in place. You got 33%, over 33% first down rate out of empty formation last year going up against Washington. So I think you can use it this year. And you see you got better weapons, right? You have X-Men. Last year was X-Men and JT, but now you add A.D. Mitchell to the mix there. Um, Jay Witt now has become a bigger part of the passing game. So I think empty formation is definitely one of the concepts you're going to see Texas utilize versus Washington just based on what they did last season and that game plan as a starting point and it was uh, I think one of the if you go look at empty formations for Texas last season uh, they ran more plays of empty formation versus Washington they did in any game last season and so it was something they saw they saw something in the game plan. Uh, it, it got Quinn in a groove early, whatever it may be, but they utilized it a lot, and I think they're going to utilize it even more because Quinn and the, the weapons that he have now, it can make Texas absolutely lethal out of empty formation. It just forces your opponent to reveal uh, their whatever their defensive coverage and their front's going to be because when you're dealing with empty, it's so stressful. You have to get to your alignment and assignment right away so you eliminate disguise. Uh, you eliminate any pre-snap shell look. They're going to give away what they're in, usually going to be in man or going to be in zero. Sometimes teams like to zone one side of empty formation, depending on if you go three by two or you're going four by one. They'll zone one side of empty and man up the other side still helps you because that just cleans up that pre-snap look for the quarterback. And that's why I like the ball's coming out quick. Now, I've done the research uh, over the years. Sack rates actually drop. Some people are always worried about, man, what about sack rates out of empty? This is the problem with Quinn in empty, though. Quinn does get sacked more than other quarterbacks in empty. I don't know why. The ball's supposed to be out quick. Your process should speed up. But this is why Quinn, I think, is coming back to school so that he can better work through progressions and work through them quicker. Remember against um, Iowa State, Texas had, what, four sacks in the first half? Yep. Two of those were out of empty. And I'm thinking to myself, you're not supposed to get sacked in empty. The ball comes out quick. Why are you holding on to the ball in empty formation? Because he's working through progressions. They were probably checking away the first read, and it's pretty easy to tell what Texas' first read's going to be. It's going to be Xavier Worthy most of the damn time. So they just took away Xavier Worthy. He was like, hey, hold on to the ball. And I think now they're doing better with the first read sometimes, some of those predetermined reads. It can be A.D. Mitchell. It can be X-Man. It can be J.T. Sanders. Um, but he, he gets sacked more than you should out of empty formation. I believe this season he's been sacked four times out of empty. That's too many. That's too many. Because all the sack rates that I have, I've been tracking for Texas, the sack rates drop out of empty formation, and that has been the case uh, since Tom Herman was running empty formation. I've been tracking it, by the way, that long. And, you know, since I've been, you know, tracking the empty formations, it's pretty obvious that Texas, no matter who's a quarterback and no matter how the offensive weapons uh, rate for Texas, it still works. In 2020, Texas was at 9.6 yards per play out of empty, uh, 10 yards per attempt out of empty in 2020. In 2021, they were at 10.2 yards per attempt out of empty uh, at 8.8 .8 yards per play out of empty. It, it, it was tracking. Even last season for Texas, they weren't as, uh, I think, as prolific out of empty as I would have liked. Um, but they still averaged, you know, damn near eight yards per play out of empty, an explosive play rate of a little under 21%. It wasn't bad, but it could be better. I think the reason that some of the uh, stats have dropped off a little bit out of empty for Texas is because 
Quinn's not great out of empty. Now, the weird thing was he was really good last season when they played Washington in the uh, bowl game. As a matter of fact, coaches and Sark knew he was going to be good because they game plan to run more empty sets in that game versus Washington any other game that season. So I'm assuming they're going to start the game plan the same way. But this season, Quinn has not been as good as he should be out of empty, considering they have more weapons than they had last year. And he has matured, but still holding on to the ball too long in empty formation. He needs to get rid of it quicker. If he is, it's going to work versus Washington, I guarantee you that. Matter of fact, it works versus every damn body. It's like the uh, Sex Panther. 60% of the time, it works every time. Let's flip the scripts since we're talking about empty. Let's talk about defending empty because when you watch Washington, they run a lot of empty formation. Yes, sir. They love it. Why wouldn't you love it if you got three NFL wide receivers and an NFL quarterback that can make any throw with Michael Penix Jr.? They love running empty, so Texas is going to have to defend empty really well. And that's one thing they got to work on going into this game. Remember who this year lit up Texas out of empty formation. Remember, U of H lit them up out of empty formation. Um, Texas uh, allowed them to complete 9.2 yards per attempt all right, out of empty formation. And they, they used it more than any team against Texas uh, this season. And they were, like I said, really successful out of it. Uh, they had three explosive plays out of empty formation. That's a, a pass of at least 15 yards or more. So they got explosive plays. Had 85% completion percentage for Donovan Smith out of empty formation. Now, other teams use it. It's not a successful TCU. Uh, utilized empty formation uh, versus Texas. K-State had two explosive plays running empty even though they ran it only six times. Texas has been susceptible to empty, but like I said, I think everybody is. I mean, I don't necessarily think, oh man, Texas is bad at defending empty. I think everybody's bad at defending empty because it is such a stressful concept to have to defend. It really does expose you and allows the offense to manipulate one-on-one matchups because you have to go bare bones. If you got a bad uh, defender in coverage, it will be exposed out of empty formation. The only thing you have working on your side as a defense is you know the ball's coming out quick. They can't hold it long. They don't have enough pass protection to hold the ball very long out of empty. But remember last year, not sorry last year, two years ago, Alabama killed Texas out of empty formation. Remember Bryce Young was 9 of 10. Now, he was 90% completion percentage out of empty. And remember, it was the adjustment that won Bama the game in 2021. Remember, it was twenty. It, it was the one. Sorry, twenty twenty two. It was the adjustment that won them the game. Because remember, what they would do is they essentially would uh, in the second half they went eight of eight. They ran eight empty formations. Only two of them in the first half. In the second half, Bill O'Brien. That's what he went to so that Bryce Young could expose Texas, utilize him as a running threat. So Texas had to respect that. But also that means Texas was going to be one on one or even zero coverage on the outside on the perimeter. And he they lit Texas up in the second half. Hundred percent completion percentage out of empty uh, for 70 yards, one touchdown, um, uh, one touchdown, two first downs um, on those uh, empty formation drives in the second half of Texas. So Bama did it really well last season. This season it was U of H that used it, and some teams have used it sparingly, but I think you're going to get um, the most empty uh, formation snaps for, uh, for uh, Washington um, than you've seen all season long. You saw 14 of them versus U of H. That was the most empty snaps you had to defend all year. You'll see more. With Washington, I guarantee you'll see more than 14. Well, you'll probably with, see 15 with, or so. Yeah, with an NFL quarterback and three NFL receivers, yeah, that's coming yes. 100% against this Texas team. They're going to try to run on Texas. You can't run on Texas. Tavondre and uh, Byron Murphy 
Um, exactly. Yeah. Well, why would you even try? And you and MP nullifies that, right? Sure I basically does. turn your two best uh, players and your best position duo, probably the best in the country. I make them moot and just turn them into pass rushers. They have to rush the passer, and rushing the passer doesn't always work out of empty. As I told you, sometimes it does. They get a sack, but the ball's coming out quick. It should come out quick. It will with Penix. It may not with Quinn, but it will with Penix. Hey, we come back. We'll pick up the off-the-record stories, including Time Magazine has chosen their person of the year, Rod. Uh-oh. You may know this person. We'll also get the <laughs> juicy story I've got for you. Uh, good stuff there from Rod, as always. Deep dive, empty formation, something to watch for uh, for that um, big game on New Year's Eve night at the Sugar Bowl. Took him up with the Rod B. Mega-doo-doo. I'm sorry. Mangoo-doo. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get to bring the egg comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, coming up, we'll... Uh, you know what Governor Ron DeSantis' plan to sue the college football playoff committee is. Also, <laughs> the Aggies have found their offensive coordinator, but Rod and off the record, congratulations to Times Person of the Year 2023, Taylor Swift. Aww. Taylor Swift. Congrats, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Record-setting tour all over the place with Taylor, with uh, Travis escape. Kelsey now. Can't escape her. She was in Lambeau Field the other night mm-hmm. with yep. uh, Patrick Mahomes' wife, Brittany. So, yeah, congratulations to Taylor Swift. She had one heck of a concert tour. Oh, man. She became like a billionaire, right? She <laughs> yes. basically became a billionaire with her tour. It kind of put her, I think it put her over the top to be like a billionaire. It's amazing. Amazing. What do yes. you have off the record, Rod B? Do you remember that couple? Uh, no, they're not a couple. They worked together, uh, Amy Roback and TJ Holmes. Remember they were on like. That's the exact story I was going to tell you. Are you getting to this too? Well, go ahead. Let's get to it. It's so, crazy. Yeah, the Good Morning America. Yes. Who, the scandal. Oh, this is such a good story. Turned lovers on TV. <laughs> this is awesome. And it turns out that they're still going strong. They're still going strong. But that's not the crazy part. Yeah, their exes are now dating. Their exes are dating each other. <laughs> They well, did well. Well, because remember, on Good Morning America, when T.J. Holmes and Amy Robach, when it became over, they got caught. They got caught. Some having pictures an out doing, yeah. uh, doing a weekend together. Mm-hmm. But when that story first broke, because I don't watch Good Morning America. No, you don't, don't watch either. Good Morning America. No. But apparently, cause, because uh, she was married to Andrew Shue. Andrew Shue. Remember yep. him, the soccer player, but his wife, mm-hmm. his sister's Elizabeth, Elizabeth Shue, yep. the Hollywood actress. Mm-hmm. So, well, they were the, the, uh, the, the couple on TV that everybody saw. They both had spouses, but those spouses would come in sometimes. Yeah, and hang out. Hang and, they, out. and they hung out together. They became part the of the couple. Yeah, yeah, they'd go they'd on double, double dates. dates and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, for the, for the audience, when it blew up, it was like, oh, my gosh. What about, what about, what about? Yeah. And now it's just they've swapped wives. <laughs> It's, it, that is a wild story. Yeah, so it is good, I guess, that Amy Robach and T.J. Holmes are actually dating. That's good. They're going strong. So it, it was real love, I guess. But turns out they're – I don't know if it's out of revenge, the revenge factor. They're trying to get back at them. But, yeah, um, yeah it's Marilee yeah. Feibig uh, and Andrew Shue. Feibig, yeah, yeah. They're now dating. According to multiple – I said they've been dating for like six months. Been on for a long time now. See, I think it was all going on all along. Uh, maybe was, uh, yeah. Well, maybe they were swapping out. Maybe it was like a, maybe it was like a little couple thing, thing going on. They were swinging, thing. Mm-hmm. and maybe now it's like you know what? I liked her better anyway. 
Yeah, but I don't <laughs> I don't uh, do the swing thing. But if you're swinging, hey. you, you do it together. You don't like run away with the other, right? That's kind of you're supposed to. Yeah. You're supposed to do it together. That's a violation of the trust. I always thought that that was actually one of the underlying themes and storylines from the O.J. Simpson murders. That there was some. Swing I think they thing. were swinging. Think about it. That community around that time. It was Marcus Allen was involved, and like I think, yeah, uh-huh. I think Kardashian. They was, I think they, <laughs> Robert. I think they were couples that were swinging a little bit. Hey, it yeah. is Brentwood, you know. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then OJ, uh, OJ got, got a little jealous about some of this swinging stuff. There you go. Like so, that. And Andrew Shue, you remember him? He was in that show Melrose Place back in the day. He's yeah, I used to watch that. I used Handsome to watch that dude. back in the day. Yeah. Oh no, he's, yeah, these are all good-looking people. Seems <laughs> like it's all worked out. <laughs> and they, they, you might Except be they right. got fired, right? <laughs> they did get fired, but they're still in love. They're still dating. I'd put them back on TV right now. I think you honestly, I would because I think it'd get ratings. Oh, hell people yeah. love scandals. They want to see scandal. I was like, uh, CBS, what do they have? Gail. They got Oprah's friend, Gail. Is she doing a show with like Charles Barkley now, too? Has that CNN? started yet? I think yeah. that might have got blank hand. It might have, but I seen a commercial for it like last week. Yeah, it's supposed to be a once a week show on CNN with Barkley and Gail. Yeah. Talking about stuff. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't know if I'd watch that. I would not. I, I would tell. not. I can't. Tell. I can do Barkley on uh, the inside the NBA show. That's fine. That's oh, funny. Apparently, uh, Amy Roback and TJ Holmes have a podcast where they reveal all this stuff now. Amy and TJ. Oh, so they just taking it in house. I like it. There you go. Doing their own show in house. Oh, okay. There's some wild stuff going on. Amen. <laughs> Bring me the stories. Sign <laughs> me up. That is, great. that is good. That's funny. We had the same story. Hey, happily ever after, man. I'm happy for both of them. Hey, Ty. Do you? What's up? I got a story that reminds me of you. Uh-oh. That we'll get coming back. It's a feral hog, so I'm not calling you a feral hog, but it's, it reminded me of you. I'll get you this coming up. <laughs> we'll be back. We'll also get you who the Aggies have hired to their offensive coordinator, who the Longhorns are targeting in the transfer portal, and the rest of a busy Wednesday on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby.